You're listening to the CLE Foodcast with Lisa Sands, the place for delicious conversation on local food and the people who grow, cook, and share it. Here's Lisa. Hello, and welcome to the CLE Foodcast. Today, I am recording from the Countryside Farmer's Market, the farm market inside the boundaries of the Cuyahoga Valley National Park. The topic of today's podcast is tomatoes, which is totally apropos since today is the market's annual tomato tasting. So that's why I'm here to talk about and taste some really interesting and seldom seen varieties of tomatoes. But first, a short message. This podcast is brought to you with support from Chef Douglas Katz and the Katz Group of Restaurants, Zug, Chimmy, and Amba. We'd like to thank you for shopping and eating local. Your support of local restaurants and farm markets like this one is vitally important to the strength and well-being of the Northeast Ohio food community. I'm here at the Countryside Farmer's Market with Mindy Bartholomew, a longtime farmer and market vendor who grew certified organic produce at Breezy Hill Farm. Now retired, she and her husband still have the touch and grow a variety of vegetables, including tomatoes, on their suburban lot. We're going to have some fun talking about and tasting a few of tomatoes, some with very fun names like cacao, old German, pineapple, midnight snack, and mortgage lifter. Mindy, welcome to the CLE Foodcast. Thank you for having me. Well, you're volunteering today, so I really appreciate you having a chance to sit down with me. How did the morning start today? Everything seems fantastic. People are very enthusiastic about it, and I just love getting people excited about all the varieties. You know, um, I always like to say this is my farm market. I live about 12 minutes away by car and um, I've been coming here for years. They do such a lovely job and I, I was thrilled to see Countryside make it through last year through Creative Solutions. I know you're a board member of Countryside. What was that like last year? Uh, I know it was difficult. I actually just came on the board at the beginning of this year, so I wasn't actively on the board during that, but I Certainly we were market shoppers and we saw what they were able to do as far as curbside pickup and adapting to obviously the difficult situation. So I think they came through wonderfully and I'm just happy that we're out in the open once again. Oh, it feels great. So I'm pretty sure I remember you as a vendor at this market. Tell me a little bit about Breezy Hill Farm and um, what you're doing now. We started Breezy Hill Farm in 2008. We were um, actually corporate for many years, but we were backyard gardeners and very avid vegetable growers. And we always had this dream of owning and operating a farm. Um, long story short, we moved from Chicago in 2007 mm -hmm. to 23 acres and uh, pastures and orchards and um, began with essentially knowledge we gained from books to a full-scale operation that was pretty incredible. And our markets were predominantly the countryside markets and we also sold in Pittsburgh and we also sold off the farm as well. So we were certified organic produce growers. And where uh, was Breezy Hill located? Breezy Hill Farm is in Columbiana County, mm -hmm. very close to Salem, Ohio. Alliance, Ohio was our bigger city. Which made sense because you're not really that far from Pittsburgh. You're right. kind of in the middle there. Exactly. So when I was working with Christina and Tracy and the team here to be here today, uh, and I asked about interviewing a farmer, someone who knew a lot about tomatoes, they said, you've got to talk to Mindy. So tell me about your tomato 
tomato knowledge. I think you grew heirloom varieties, right? We did, and we have to admit, um, we were not very knowledgeable about all the varieties uh, of tomatoes that were available. Back in the day, there were varieties. Nowadays, tomatoes are pretty much grown to be able to be shipped. So they're hard and often green, and then the ripening process happens in the grocery store. So this whole evolution and burgeoning appreciation for heirloom tomatoes kind of took us by surprise as well, and we came to learn about it pretty pretty quickly. There were catalogs specifically dedicated to growing to heirloom tomato seeds. We started all of our plants from seed, um, initially tried to grow them outside. The difficulty with heirloom varieties is that they are very disease prone. They are not Obviously, the whole notion of hybrid tomatoes make them very easy to grow, and they're not prone to a lot of diseases. Heirloom tomatoes are much trickier. Our first year, we grew them outside, and we lost a bulk of our product due to fungal diseases, molds, and such. Um, we then started establishing high tunnel growing, which is growing in the ground in structures that look like greenhouses. We actually had five of these structures. They were 30 by 90 feet long, so mm. they were quite large. Mm -hmm. And we grew most of our heat-loving crops, including tomatoes, in these structures. So we were able to control the environment and consequently have great success growing them. And at one point, we grew over 50 different varieties of tomatoes. Wow. Well, if your knowledge of tomatoes is what you're seeing in the grocery store, you're only seeing a a fraction of what is available and that's part of why the tomato tasting event is so cool. I started attending it about, I'm going to say three or four years ago, and I actually did the online version last year with Chase the Flavor, which was really fun because I picked up a bag of, I don't know, 10 or 12 tomatoes. They were all different. They were all really fun colors and interesting and many of them were varieties that I had never seen and we're going to taste and talk about a few of those in a few minutes but you said something earlier that um, I wanted to ask you about anyway the tomatoes in the grocery store are the varieties that are bred to be what the most hardy that can survive a truck transport from Mexico or California all the way here to Ohio, correct? Correct, right. Okay, so the heirlooms, which, you know, every now and then at Heinen's or another store that I'm at, uh, I might see a small bowl of heirloom tomatoes. They look so terrific, they're beautiful, they're interesting, they're more expensive. Um, and I do buy them occasionally for, you know, a great caprese salad, but they are by nature very fragile. They seem like thinner skinned. I know I have to eat them within a day or two. Why, again, are heirlooms just so difficult to manage? That, that's a good question. And the heirlooms by nature, let me just distinguish first off, too. Hybrids are usually a type of plant called a determinant tomato plant. So the plant grows only so big and then makes their tomatoes and then it's done. The indeterminate um, type of tomato plant, which is what most of the heirlooms are, which is, you know, more of a, obviously it's a wild plant, it grows and binds and grows and binds and continues to produce tomatoes. So that's a distinguishment between the two types of tomatoes. Um, heirlooms, again, it's it, it's interesting that that was just the way our food looked once upon a time. It was not made for shipping across the country. It was grown in people's backyards and there was just a vast amount of, of variety at the time. So again, it is 
is interesting as to the fragility. I think a lot of it is also the size because many of the heirlooms can grow quite large too. So it's very tricky picking them at the right time, making sure they don't crack. And so yes, transport is, is not an easy task because they are so super delicate and super fragile. Mm-hmm. Again, I think you've just illustrated the reason why farmers markets are so important and vital to not only just bringing local produce to people that was grown by local people, but also we're not worried about transport because most of the food that is here today, most of the produce that is being sold was probably in the ground yesterday or the day before yesterday, which is a pretty miraculous thing. And we're just not used to it. That's not how we shop. That's not, you know, I'm in midlife and I grew, I was very much a child of the grocery stores. I could have watermelon in December if I wanted it. I could have asparagus out of season. We're so used to it. Um, And as a farmer, you were so close to that. What's your own philosophy of of eating as someone who has grown produce for a good portion of your uh, adult career? Well, it was interesting for us. We came to growing vegetables initially in our own backyards, and that was our only past experience before we had at it full time was because we like to cook and we like to cook with excellent ingredients. We also lived in Europe for about eight years and so we experienced some very different types of vegetables that um, we had eaten over there, tasted in recipes, and we we then grew some of those things that you don't usually find here, like celery root or celeriac or even Belgian endive, if you can imagine. We tried artichokes once summer. So, you know, a lot of interesting things that we like to cook with and that we also offered our customers recipes for. So I think that was another thing that was a standout for us was we liked to teach people how to actually use the ingredients and particularly tomatoes. Mm -hmm. Well, and now that you're, I guess, retired in your commercial farming enterprise, you're still growing at home. Are you growing tomatoes this year? We are. What are you growing? What kinds of things? Um, We have one of our favorite varieties, and I think I mentioned it to you before is called the mortgage lifter and unfortunately I did not see it on the list here today but it's a variety that is just so fascinating the breeder thought for sure he was going to be able to pay off his mortgage through the development and growing of this tomato and so thus it became called the mortgage lifter tomato and it is a very large um, I think this one will probably weigh out at close to three pounds and it is what's considered a beef steak. So I know we often had a lot of people ask us, do you have beef steak tomatoes? And beef steak is basically just a general term for a large tomato. Smaller tomatoes, as you probably notice, have the seed pockets in them. Beef steaks have a lot of seed pockets in them so that they're perfect for slicing and for a tomato sandwich. So that's what a beef steak essentially means. You called, you said seed pockets. That is, I, I never knew what that was called, but basically some tomatoes seem um, not maybe airier than others. They've got the, the exactly. their juice. That's where the juice is. Right, okay. right. And yeah, and sometimes if they tell you in a recipe to seed the tomatoes, obviously remove the seeds from the tomatoes, there's often large pockets probably hybrid varieties. The heirlooms and the bigger heirlooms, that's not the case. They are just very, very meaty. Whereas aroma does not have a lot of seed pockets. And that as well. And that's why it's just excellent for cooking. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to back up and give a little bit of information. Uh, you know, I'm hearing from some listeners, which is great. And sometimes they tell me that I they have questions. So I'm going to point something out that might be obvious, very obvious to you. 
somewhat obvious to me, but um, and you might have some thoughts on this too. Tomatoes are botanically a fruit, but we cook with them in ways where we are mixing them with all kinds of other vegetables, but they are a fruit, and the, the reason they're a fruit, or the reason they're classified as a fruit, they, they have seeds, and they grow from the flower of the plant. So that's two characteristics of a fruit. They're also high in lycopene and antioxidant. They're high in vitamins A and C, good source of iron, potassium, and fiber. So tomatoes are largely healthy things. We love tomatoes. That's why I guess we find them in everything. So what's happening today at the market um, is they've got stations all through the market with maybe six or eight varieties of tomato in each one. They're already cut up. You can take a look at the whole tomato and you can also taste a little nibble of the tomato. So there are a number of farms represented here with their tomatoes and I'm going to list them because um, you're probably very familiar with them. We have tomatoes from Baker's Fresh Produce and Honey in Wadsworth from Front Nine Farm in Lodi, from Martha's Farm in Ashland County. That's one of my favorite farms. I always make sure I visit Martha's stand when I'm here. Rainbow Gardens, which is in Madison, so up close to Lake Erie, and Mud Run Farm in Navarre. Uh, and I actually get Mud Run Farm eggs from uh, Sasha and Purple Brown Farmstead. I often buy Mud Run's eggs. So all of these farms here today have brought varieties that they grow, uh, particularly well. And we're going to go through a couple of them. Um, I mean, there's so many here, we can't possibly tackle all of them on this podcast. I've picked some, some tomatoes here today to talk about. Well, are you open to taste a couple of tomatoes? We can talk a little bit about some tomatoes. Certainly. All right, perfect. So I was really drawn to this little tomato uh, called Midnight Snack. I just, first of all, I loved the name of it. It's just a tomato that is red, but also, um, it, it, well, it's, is it a, it's a black tomato, right? Correct. So tell me about the Midnight Snack. Is that something that you've grown or you've seen before? This is not something that we have grown. This is a hybrid, and I have to admit, um, so as farmers, the winter has has descended, and it's December, and then all of a sudden the seed catalogs start arriving at your doorstep, and it's a wonderful thing to sort of bring you out of the winter doldrums, and so you start to, to see all the new varieties that are available at that time of year. This is a hybrid, so again, it's very eye-catching, and it is a beautiful tomato because of its multicolor, the dark black and the red, but oftentimes we found that they were pretty, but they weren't necessarily all that tasty. So oh, interesting. Well, <laughs> well I tasted that. You want to taste one of those? Sure. It was delicious. I um, And we're tasting them plain without embellishment. No no salt and pepper here. It's a pretty nice tomato, I would say. I'd say that's pretty good. It has really good flavor, and it, it tastes delicious. It's wonderful. And the beauty of that is, again, a hybrid cherry-style tomato, which this is, often is more hardy and you know not as disease prone mm -hmm. doesn't crack when it, it grows and, and matures so but look at those seed pockets lovely. yep nice yep. seed pockets for a cherry tomato i feel like that's a really juicy i'm gonna eat another one i should have brought some salt i don't know what i was thinking not bringing my delicious uh, sea salt but that's okay boy is that delicious now here's the sad part about this is that it's such a beautiful tomato one that i think would make fantastic uh, salad tomato, some you know, 
for, but I can't get this in a grocery store. I have never seen a tomato that looks like this in a grocery store. Correct. Oh, well, that's really sad. That's another reason why you have to remember to come to your local farmer's market. All right, these uh, midnight snacks are grown by Front Nine Farm. All right, we're gonna move on to something a very, very different at the other end of the spectrum. This is, by the way, we're gonna post some photos of these tomatoes on our social media, so you'll be able to see some of them and we'll give some great explanations of them. But this one is called Russian Cream, and we have to flip our sheet over, I believe. Oh, oh, they didn't bring me a, they didn't give me the description of a Russian cream, but let's talk about this. This is a big, beautiful gold tomato with a little bit of red in it, but when you cut it open, it's all red. Now, do you know about the Russian cream, or is this surprising you as well? Um, I don't know about that particular variety, but that is, is kind of a newer variety that there's a lot that are similar. Pineapple is one. Um, hillbilly is another one. I have a pineapple right here. Right, and you can see they are very similar. Oh, they are. Yellow, and then they have that beautiful blush on the bottom. And the real advantage of the yellow tomatoes are the acidity. Okay. And a lot of people do have problems with tomatoes and acidity and digestion. These are much lower in acidity, so they you know, and oftentimes they're sweeter, and so a lot of people um, enjoy that. But the beauty of that is, and some of them, when you do slice them, there is the yellow and red color mixed in together, so they're beautiful on a plate of, you know, caprese or oh my any gosh. kind of sliced tomatoes. Yes. So, well, I yeah. just had a sample of that Russian cream. It's delicious. The next one we're going to taste is a pineapple tomato. Now this is from Martha's Farm and that looks like it's an heirloom and that's a beautiful gold tomato again with that blush or red uh, throughout. So tell me about that. And again, slicing it um, is just absolutely stunning to oh. see the color contrast. So you have sort of the veins of the reddish with the with the light yellow. So they're beautiful and, and they are often much less acidic than a red tomato and oh. typically sweeter as well. So the, the color combination with your darker tomatoes and red and green, what we call purple tomatoes is just stunning. So this is also, it's a, a beefsteak variety as you were saying. So a beefsteak variety, kind of like we say everything's a cherry tomato if it's small, uh, we go, we say large tomatoes, oh, that's a beefsteak. It might be a beefsteak tomato, but it might not be. Right, yep. now there is something in between though. So you have your oh. cherry tomatoes and then you have what are called salad tomatoes or saladettes. So okay. some of the tomatoes are sort of mid-size and so there there is an in-between oh. size and then your larger varieties would be typically slicers. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, the thing I noticed right off the bat in tasting this pineapple tomato, which was, again was grown by Martha's Farm, is you definitely don't have the acidity. Um, I noticed that, right. I, and it felt very fruit-like. I honestly, if I didn't see a tomato sitting next to that, I might think that it was a very um, bland peach or something. It has a different texture as well. Exactly. Mm, well, that was a good one. Again, I'm a big believer that tomatoes just get enhanced a little bit with salt and pepper, balsamic, uh, olive oil, but it's so good to taste them naked. Exactly. you know and to appreciate them all right let's see mindy what should we we're gonna taste um i have to say i remember this tomato from last year a little bit similar to something we just tasted the cacao i'm just really drawn to for whatever reason these tomatoes that have hints of black and purple in them so this cacao is grown by front 
nine farm. What is a uh, in in the botanical or in the tomato growing world? What is a black tomato? A black tomato, or sometimes they're referred to as a purple tomato. So that might not be quite as dark in color. Again, they're a richer, very deep flavor profile, I would say. Um, it, it, and also just the color mm. is beautiful when they're sliced. The cacao then is a somewhat smaller, and this is what we would call a salad tomato. Okay. So perfect size for just kind of wedging and salads. Um, this particular variety is a hybrid, and so it is um, probably a determinate variety. Not necessarily, but again, it's trying to mimic an heirloom black tomato, but being much more hardy in its growth profile, so that it you know, isn't as prone to disease. Okay. Yeah, taste that one. That was a really good one. Again, I just, I'm, I'm really, I have to say, I'm real sad right now that I'm not seeing this in my grocery stores. I agree. <laughs> I'm sure you do. So, I have a question about tomatoes from the perspective of a home grower. Um, I, I've, I've done cherry tomatoes in like large patio pots. That's, that's about, I live in a very shady area. I have very small uh, glimpses of sunlight throughout the day. So I really can't grow tomatoes the way I would love to grow tomatoes. But I've had some success in patio pots and I really have only ventured to try cherry tomatoes. Can you, the, the pineapple or the heirlooms that we were looking at earlier, are they easy for people to grow at home or do they require some special care? They are not as easy, needless to say, and they do need a lot of sun. So um, in our now home farmette, I would call it, our suburban front yard farm, we grow them in raised beds, and we are fortunate to have a lot of sun in our front yard, so you know, we had some good success with the bigger varieties, but they are not that easy to grow, and of course, so many of our customers, when we were coming to the farmer's market, always expressed that they would like to grow Perfectly honest, we were sort of glad that they did. <laughs> we would rather they purchase from us. So, once again, encouraging people to come to the farmers market and, and buy beautiful, lovely bakers. Mm -hmm. Well, the people that I know that are home growers, uh, they really have to have, again, the raised bed situation or they go to a community garden. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of critters that love tomatoes. They're prone to, uh, you know, bugs and all kinds of things. I mean, I just feel like tomatoes are for the serious gardener. You know, like if I get six cherry tomatoes on a patio pot, I'm pretty happy about that. I pop them right in my mouth and consider it a success. Um, and speaking of cherry tomatoes, um, I picked uh, this super sweet, 100, which again is is really that actually is the closest to a grocery store tomato, really that I have seen here today. So tell me about that's just a basic cherry tomato, right? Right, right. And the beauty of that is it's a very prolific cherry tomato, and again it is a hybrid. Um, but again, with production, and if you're obviously in the business of farming and growing tomatoes, it's it's a wonderful one because it forms these big beautiful clusters of, of oh, yeah. many different red cherry tomatoes. So it's just an ideal one for the for the market. It's perfect. This is a perfect one. I'm going to pop the whole thing in my mouth, actually. And it is very sweet. <laughs> wow! Isn't that something? Mmm. Mm. Oh wow, that is delicious. That might be my favorite so far on taste. It just, well, the texture's there, right? It explodes in your mouth when you bite into that flesh through that outer skin. And then you've just got this mouthful of really like sugary goo. <laughs> 
the only way I can think to describe it. All right, we're gonna taste one more Mindy here. Let's see. I'm gonna let you pick. We've got an old German, we have a Marnero, and we've got the Juliet. So what would you like to try? Um, let's do the old German. Okay. Another beautiful yellow tomato, all yellow though, with a little, with hints of green. Oh, a little tiny bit of red on the bottom there. Blush, yeah. A little bit of blush. Okay. That's just like wine. There's, there's certain terminology. I love hearing you, um, correct my, my, uh, amateur tomato terminology here. So we've got the old German. Old German, and again, this is an heirloom, mm -hmm. and it's not a huge tomato, but yet it can get up to one to two pounds. So, and again, it is considered by color, but it is predominantly yellow, and so again, it lends itself to a beautiful slice presented with a bunch of different colored tomatoes on the plate. Grab a piece, that big yellow piece right there. It's a beautiful tomato. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm excited. Very sweet. Interesting. Heirloom dated to the mid 18th. Hundreds. It was a wow. part of many Mennonite families in the Shenandoah Valley, Valley area. Interesting. Interesting. Well, and you know, we're not, we could talk about tomatoes for like three hours. We're not even talking about where they came from, how they were bred. Um, again, as a grower, you knew a lot of that. As an end use consumer, I just really want to know how they taste. And I, I do, I care, you know, I care about how they look. Sometimes you want a tomato that, that again has that, um, that's more fleshy, that's more juicy. Sometimes you need a tomato that you can slice and put on a BLT that's not going to make your bread all wet, you know, that kind of thing. Um, this one actually is a very interesting taste. Tomatoes, again, I think they're great on their own, but isn't it interesting how a little flavor can enhance them, a little salt? What's your favorite way to eat beautiful uh, vine-ripe fresh tomatoes? Well, I have to share our favorite recipe, Okay, and it comes from Silver Palette cookbooks, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, but they, they were published quite a few years ago. Okay. Our generation of more new age cooking, but okay. my favorite dish there is called summer pasta. And essentially you cut up beautifully ripe heirloom tomato, put it in a colander, let some of the juices drain out, mix it with about a half a cup of olive oil, you know, quite a few sugar sweets, chopped fresh garlic, basil, chopped fresh basil, and then you take brie cheese and you take the rind off of the cheese, tear up the brie, mix it in this bowl of lusciousness, let it marinate on your counter, and then toss it in hot pasta. Oh. And it is to die. You're speaking my language. Pepper, and it is the best way to prepare in mm. my heirloom. <laughs> oh my gosh, well you named about five or six of my very favorite things in the world. Basil, brie, heirloom tomatoes, perfect, perfect. Alright, I want to just comment that that old German that we tasted was grown by Baker's Fresh Produce and Honey. Mindy, this was such a fun conversation. I can, I know I have some other cups of tomatoes here. I'm going to go through and taste all of them. I thank you for joining me today. I thank you for being out here as a volunteer. You're a board member of Countryside Food and Farms, an organization that, you know, because of my proximity to where I live in the Valley, uh, I just, I try to follow their work. They do such great work uh, in concert with the National Park and all of the other organizations that really work to preserve the, uh, the agricultural history of of the Cuyahoga Valley, and another topic we could talk a lot about. Um, thanks for being here today on the CLE Foodcast, and I look forward to seeing you at some markets. Now I'll make sure I say hello. Great. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. Join me after a short break when I sit down with Chef Vinny Semino.
who's going to share some ideas for making the most out of fine, ripened local tomatoes. This podcast is generously supported by Yellow House Cheese, the award-winning cheesemakers of Seville, Ohio. They've made it very easy to get Ohio farm-fresh food direct to you. Order exactly what you want in quantities that fit your family, from mushrooms to meat and greens to goat cheese and even brownies. It's all available at yellowhousecheese.com. Visit yellowhousecheese.com to shop fresh food while supporting Ohio Family Farms and pick up at your choice of five delivery locations. We're back continuing our episode on tomatoes here from the Countryside Farm Market in the Cuyahoga Valley. If you've not been to this market, really, I don't know what you're waiting for. It's beautiful here. The variety of vendors from all over Northeast Ohio is fantastic. My favorites, Huffman Fruit Farm, Black Sheep Baking, Ohio City Pasta, T-Hills Farms, are they're pretty much regular stops for me, but there's probably, uh, I don't know, 30 plus vendors here. And they go outside until the end of October, and then the market moves inside to Old Trail School for the winter season. So now I'm joined by Chef Vinny Semino, who's just finished a few cooking demos today at the market. Hey, Vinny, how's it going? Great, how are you? It is going great. It's a beautiful day. After a couple of rainy uh, rainy days, I wasn't sure what was going to happen, but it's all good. So what were you doing here today at the market? Uh, so today at the market, we're uh, celebrating tomatoes. Um, like everybody else's, uh, tomatoes are one of my favorite, uh, favorite times of the year, favorite things to eat, especially fresh Ohio in-season tomatoes. Uh, so we're doing a demo today of a pickled uh, Gaia melon and fresh heirloom tomato salad uh, with a lot of fresh herbs. Um, a little bit of burrata cheese, uh, malted sea salt, and olive oil. So uh, the really cool thing about the Gaia melon is this hybrid between the uh, um, cantaloupe and the honeydew. Uh, and would you give it a little bit of that acid from uh, a little bit of uh, overnight soaking of vinegar? It just pairs so well with fresh, like, farm, out-of-the-ground tomatoes. Yeah, and um, I saw the herbs, too. You like working with fresh oh, I herbs. I love herbs. Herbs are, herbs are a game-changer to me. Um, any and every type of herb you can think of. So I don't just limit it to, you know, a lot of people uh, equate uh, tomatoes with uh, basil and whatnot. Um, I love incorporating mint or chives. So many different herbs go so well in so many different applications. Well, it seems to me that people are loving it. Plus, just the way the sunlight hits that bowl with all of the different colored tomatoes and that melon and the, the splashes of green from the herbs, it's just about perfect. Oh, yeah. It looks like you're also making some kind of sandwich today, and um, I want to hear about that, and then I want to hear about your uh, your sandwich pop-up that you do. Yeah, so uh, we're doing a sandwich this uh, this morning as well. So it is a everything spice bun, uh, souffle egg, tomato, and um, uh, fermented pepper uh, pimento cheese sandwich. Well, and coming off the grill, it looks just about perfect. So yeah. I'm def I'm definitely getting one to take home when I when I leave here today after I do my shopping. Um, you know, I'm a huge tomato fan as well. I imagine with a last name like Semino, you you know your way around some tomatoes. I, I I've been around the tomato block a couple. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Say the least. What are some of the favorite things that you like making uh, at this time of year with fresh Ohio tomatoes? Obviously, you've got that great salad, but what else might you be making at your house? So, you know, at, at this time of year uh, with fresh tomatoes, I, I don't ever like cooking them or do anything to them. They're so good. There's so much flavor with them on their own. You know, uh, I will top anything and everything with just fresh, fresh from the ground tomatoes kind of thing. So uh, I don't put them in the refrigerator. I always keep them out. You know, I'm a huge uh, proponent uh, for that. Um, any restaurant that uh, I've ever worked in or if you've worked with me, you'll know my stance on how we treat uh, fresh in-season tomatoes. I came to, I learned that very late in life. And I, I thought I, I, I'm a cook. I've been cooking for a long time, but 
but I don't know. I was just, I was putting my tomatoes in the refrigerator yeah. and it makes such a difference. Such now, a difference. of course, you also, like most fresh things, you have to pay attention uh, to when you're going to use them and how Always. fast you're going to use them. Always. Especially, we were talking a little bit earlier with Mindy, who's grown tomatoes and who's been a vendor here. And those heirlooms are just amazing, but there's a reason they're not at the grocery store. Yeah. You know, that's why we're here at the farm market. I know you call yourself a nomadic chef. Uh, you've popped up in a lot of places, no pun intended, because you do pop-ups right now with Fat Boy Sammy's. But I got to know you, honestly, last year. Now, we've never met. This is our first time meeting. But I got to know you last year um, at the start of the COVID quarantine when you had just opened Summer House. And then, basically, you closed it. And you started a Cleveland Family Meal. Tell me just a little bit about what that effort was and what that meant to you last year. So, yeah. So, uh, just like you said, I opened up uh, a brand new restaurant. Um, six days into opening a brand new restaurant, uh, we got shut down uh, from the governor for, because of the pandemic, uh, and rightfully so. Uh, but we, it was a Sunday when he made the announcement. We all came in on Monday, kind of looked around and to figure out like, how are we going to save all of the food, what were we going to do? I mean, you know, we're in our, our honeymoon phase of like, we, we know we're going to be really busy. Are we at $22,000 worth of, of, uh, of goods in yeah. the house? So, um, we were like, okay, we can save some of it. We can freeze some of it. Uh, ultimately, uh, we chose like, you know, we don't know how long this pandemic is going to last. What's going to happen. Let's cook everything that we have and then, um, feed our staff, you know, let's, let's help provide for them. Because again, we, we'd been home for six days. And then be, the two weeks prior to that, we were, we were training. So it was, you know, our, our staff wasn't making a ton of money. Yeah. So we just kind of looked inwards like, okay, let's, how can we help? Um, we are chefs, we can cook. So that's what we did. We started cooking. Uh, and then once we started cooking from, for our staff, uh, the outpour of people reaching out for support and help was absolutely incredible. Within two days, we were kind of opened up our doors to everybody and we were cooking for as many people as we possibly could. Um, and then after about two weeks, we outgrew uh, our space and ended up having to go to like an outdoor market area um, in Lakewood. And we were feeding hundreds of people three times a day. So whether it was prepared goods, fresh produce, uh, we provided diapers and toiletry products. We partnered with um, employees only and Mark Bailey and you know so many people came out and, and just supported us as far as uh, providing donations, providing other prepared goods, you know, uh, uh, being able to uh, be hands to help out in the market. It was yeah. an absolutely amazing experience. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people had time on their hands and wanted to help, but also the restaurant community was just, uh, you knew what was coming. I mean, people were unsure of how they were going to get their next paycheck. Um, and I loved it. I loved the effort. Was that in collaboration with, or was that a different effort than what Matt Spinner was doing? So Matt Spinner, uh, we collaborated with Matt and Dave on, on a couple of marks, but they started their, there's the same kind of idea. Yeah. You know, they uh, partnered with uh, Cernus and Sons Produce, mm -hmm. and they were setting up little markets inside inside of, uh, it was Ushabu at the yep. moment, now it's Bar Uni. Um, eventually he came and they were to do some markets with us kind of thing, because they were getting way too many people. Yeah. Um, and in the beginning of the pandemic, it took months for um, people to get their unemployment. Yeah. You know, and it took months after those months to be able to get that extra unemployment stipend. Yeah. And, you know, within our industry, the unfortunate thing is that people live paycheck to paycheck. Right. So, and it's something that, you know, we, we now coming, you know, I don't want to say post pandemic, but, uh, you know, different yeah. pandemic life kind of thing. Like we're really trying to focus on, you know, being able to take care of, uh, 
of our of our people better and mm -hmm. you know getting them to a point that they're not just living paycheck to paycheck and they can they have the resources for support and do things you know so that's kind of where we are now like we understand that it was an eye-opening experience yeah. you know how much you know how we treat our people how uh you know uh, they treat us and how we we grow together and to be able to continue to support them in such a such a way that yeah they, more holistic yeah mm -hmm. you know kind of thing so. yeah yeah no i well i think um i mean that's where the whole idea of finding the good in the bad happens, right? Yeah. Everybody's woke up and I think whether it's, you know, we talked to Chef Ben about it, Chef Ben Biebenroth. Um, I haven't come across anyone who hasn't said, uh, we're going to build back differently. We're going to think about things differently and, you know, blow up the model and, and look at it, look at the whole life, look at the whole life experience for some of these folks in the culinary industry. I want to ask you one last question. You have got a pretty big meal event coming up. It's, it's a definitely a bucket list item for me. I'm not going this year. Tell me about the meal outstanding in the field that you are preparing and you're leading this year. Yeah. So outstanding in the field is uh, a tremendous event every year held at uh, Thaxon's Organic Garlic Farm in Hudson, Ohio. Um, Fred and Chris Thaxon have been uh, friends of mine for years, uh, great supporters of, of what I do um, in, uh, in in kitchens and in cooking. And then just uh, just wonderful people to be uh, around in general. So full of life. Their garlic is tremendous. Their farm is amazing. It was one of the first, I think it's the only organic garlic farm in, in the state. Um, but they're two retired teachers who uh, just, you know, love growing really good stuff and being surrounded by really good people. So the dinner is, it's, it's a tremendous event. Um, I've been a part of it for, I believe this is my sixth year. Um, I worked for Jonathan Sawyer for a number of years and it was always his sous chef. Um, at these events, and this is uh, my first year I get the, the headline, um, and it's a, a it's an absolute honor to be able to carry on the torch and the tradition. And you know, this year we're doing it a little bit differently. Normally, you you will highlight your restaurant. Um, I I don't have a restaurant, so I've chosen to go a little bit of a different route and to invite a lot of my uh, a lot of my friends to come and cook with me to be able to highlight their restaurants and to be highlight the the fun, interesting, awesome things that they do with the with our hospitality industry and in the culinary scene. So, mm. but yeah, we're, well, we're that's, excited. Well, in addition to being a memorable night for the 180 plus guests that will be dining at a, a, a long table outside on the Thaxton's farm, what a memorable night for you and, and your pals, your chef pals to yeah. cook together and have some fun, especially on a, you know, at the end of summer, it's kind of like, I don't know, you just haven't been able to do that for a while. No. So it's got to feel good. I heard you say earlier um, that you will be making an announcement soon. That's exciting for you but in the meantime you've certainly kept busy I think there's just something to be said for these uh, the chefs that just want to go anywhere uh, Chef Wells was here earlier you know he does not have a brick and mortar and um, he loves he loves that lifestyle he, he yeah. works really really well for him um, well thank you so much I, I know you've got a lot to clean up here and some other food to serve but um, Vinny it was nice to meet you for yeah, the very great. first time I'm going to talk to you soon after you uh, announce your, your new venture but um, thanks for being on the CLE Foodcast today yeah, thanks for having me pleasure Thanks so much for listening to our special podcast on location at the Countryside Market today. CLE Foodcast is a project of Fork in the Road Productions. My sound engineer is Bill Connors. Give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook. Look for CLE Foodcast. We post news about events, restaurant openings, and all kinds of things happening in our local food community. Until we meet again, stay hungry, be kind, and always, always set a bigger table.